And I'm currently obsessed with creepy paper. <laughs> creepy paper. Ooh, multi-pack. <laughs> and I'm Kevin. Bat! <laughs> and uh, this is Potter, and all secret meetings take place in the fancy room. I didn't think that's what you were going to go with, Chaps. I thought for sure you were going to say you were about to do a mega feed. Uh, <laughs> the mega feed is so funny. <laughs> I thought about that, and I thought of also, I thought of also saying, and this is Kevin. I mean Gregor. I mean Jeff. <laughs> that was my. That was my other. My other one. Oh my gosh! I work with a guy named Jeff, and I showed him that video, and he was. <laughs> Laughing his ass Jeff. off. Yeah. It's Jeff. Yeah, I, I, I keep calling him Jessica. Jessica. <laughs> Jessica. So outside of uh, what we do in the shadows, what are, we, what are we talking about tonight again? I forgot already. Oh, you guys, you guys, you guys confused me. Uh, yeah. We're going to talk about Starbreach. That's what we're talking about. Yeah, Starbreach tonight. And we're going to try and keep it evergreen, so we're not going to talk about hobby progress or... Uh, Game news, uh, because we're actually probably recording for the future. Yes, for the future. So we don't want to spoil that with weird old news. Um, After Nandor the Relentless conquers Staten Island. (laughs) That being said, we do recommend wholeheartedly that all of you dear listeners go and watch what we do in the shadows, especially if you're really confused right now. Yes, because as I've been trying to get Chops to understand, it is a brilliant show. Like, oh, it's and it's real funny. Yeah, it's it, it's like one of those things where it's like, okay, it could never be as good as the movie, and but then you start watching it, and it is. I, so I would say, I would say, it, so in terms of like things that I feel like are like humor for a specific audience, and they're written a specific way. This is the funniest show since Aqua Teen for me. Oh, like, wow. I'm going to be yeah, able to absolutely. repeat this. I'm going to be able to repeat watch this show as much as I watched Aqua Teen in college. But also, I'm I'm on I'm on run through like ten right now. Jeez, man. <laughs> And I every time I'm laughing out loud, it's it's disturbing how it's how good it is. It's real funny. Just, it's yeah. real, real funny. Anyway, yeah. uh, what we do in the shadows. So, guys, um, like, and, we, and we're going to hop right in. This is going to be nice. You're not going to have 20 minutes of us BSing because we're going to start talking about Star Breach right away. Uh, guys, are you excited? It's a mega feed. <laughs> it's a mega feed. <laughs> <laughs> he started and now he can't stop. <laughs> Wait, hold on a sec, guys. I'm going to do a mega feed. <laughs> uh, this, this, I'm, this, I'm holding up a finger. This is this is 20 <laughs> times worse than MS, MS3K. I swear. That's so bad. That's because uh, we're all in on the good. That's true. Although yeah. although Chops is very fresh in it, you're on tr- viewing 10. My viewing was several months ago at this point in time. Oh, man. It's real funny, though. Anyway. It's so uh, good. So, Starbreach, you guys. Let's get into it. Yeah. Um, let's. What? <laughs> What is a Star Breach? Uh, Star Breach is a miniatures agnostic uh, sci-fi game. Uh, so one of the cool, one of the great things about Star Breach, and one of the reasons I love Star Breach, is that it really lets you do whatever you want. It truly is like a uh, universe of po- of possibilities. Whereas, like a game, you know, like Grimdark Future, really is uh, leaning hard into the 40k, and all the models are like. Like all the profiles in Grimdark Future are 
actual 40k models and it's not hard to figure out what they right. are right um which is intentional Star- correct it's intentional and it's fine but it's intentional mm-hmm. right uh and star breach has uh light parallels but also it's set up in a way that you can make pretty much whatever universe you want and run with the rules that you want very easily yes. um a thing to note though is it is definitely designed for 28 millimeter and the recommended base sizes are from 25 millimeter to 60 millimeter, which awesome. are standard was, Games Workshop sizes. I was going to say, I almost feel like I have a lot of models that fit that description. You definitely I think most do. mini gamers would. Yeah, especially now with Infinity everywhere on my desk, and I guess I guess Legion could even fit into that, huh? Yes, it could. And there's definitely faction profiles for Legion within Starbreach. So yes, definitely. Infinity and Legion work perfectly for this game. Uh, 40K is going to obviously work really well here. Um, I've um, picked up some stuff from Eden and Wild West Exodus also uh, to use in Star Breach. So the, uh, I mean, Warpath is another uh, option, which is the Mantic game or Dead Zone is the skirmish game from Mantic. The Dead Zone starter kits are great for this. So yeah, you can use minis from anywhere. Very cool. Um, so that's very, very cool. All right. So let, let's talk about the broad strokes of, yeah. of uh, Starbreach um, to sur- sort of get you thinking about what this game is like. So this is a uh, ordered dice system. So if you've ever played bolt action, you're going to be in pretty familiar territory. So the way that this works is there are D6s and each of the faces on the D6 coordinate with one of the orders that you can give your soldiers. And the way that it works is you put one die in a bag for each of your soldiers in your warband at the beginning of a turn. And then what happens is you and your opponent pull dice out of the bag and whoever's colored dice is pulled out is the person who goes. So obviously, you know, one of the things you want to do is you want to make sure you have the same size, shape and weight dice. Um, But they make that really easy here at Slow Death Games by selling order dice that all have the same shape, weight and size. Mm -hmm. And they're amazing. They are beautiful. We will have some pictures of it up on our uh, social media here soon. Yep, and so that's worth noting is that this game is written by Elijah Kellogg and published by Slow Death Games. So that's where you can go and buy the deluxe PDF, but also these rules are free. So, I mean, really, if you wanted to, you could just get some massing, matching Chesix dice, right? Um, mm-hmm. Either in w- whatever size or your you know nice Steamforged luxurious dice or whichever ones you want. Throw them in a bag and play with the free rules PDF and you're up and running. Yep. Um, you, you're it, good to go. I, I would say support slow death though. I mean, at the very least, buy a couple sets of order dice because they are very, they're very, very nice, and the quality on them is very good, and they're and very it, high. And and then you're not constantly translating the symbols. Correct. That's true. This because the symbols are printed on the die face. Right. The symbol for each order. Yep. Um, which makes it really good at a glance. But let's let's talk a little bit more. So how do you what are you doing in Star Breach? Start or, or what size game is this? Right. This is a three by three. So you know that average skirmish size. Uh, and this is a game where uh, more terrain is better. Um, there are good terrain rules written for all varieties of terrain. Uh, and the game really wants you to play with a lot of it because there's rules for high ground. One of the main orders that you can give with your dice is covering fire. So you want to make Make sure you have good fire lanes uh, and so that, you know, people aren't just 
using covering fire constantly. So um, it's so it it sounds like uh, realistically like an infinity dense table might be a good idea. Great, yeah, and and but the nice thing is, unlike Infinity, um, you have more variety in where you can like place. Star yeah. Breach is really good to have a realistically set table. It doesn't have to be like a paintball field for it to be fair. Gotcha. Right. Um, so that's really cool. Also, the core mechanic is worth going over while we're talking about the broad strokes. This is a two d six plus number game. So whenever you're making a test in this game, you are rolling 2d6 and adding it to the relevant stat. And we'll talk about the stat breakdown in a minute. There aren't a lot of stats. And in general, you're just adding 2d6. So it's called your initiative stat or I. So 2d6 plus I is what you're doing. Perfect. All right. So what makes Starbreach tick? I mean, outside of the innovative, well, I won't say innovative. It's the, the innovation is in how it combines sort of the ease and flexibility of a game like Frostgrave with the curve of 2D6 and the dice pulling mechanism of uh, um, bolt action. That's the like, that's the like secret sauce. But in general, another thing that makes this game really good is the tactical flexibility that's given to a player uh, with the order dice. Okay. So the main way to think about this game is how the turn structure works. So it breaks down in a there's two separate phases. And in the action phase, you're pulling your dice out. Right. Each player is pulling a dice out. And then you're at, and when you pull a die, you decide what order that's going to be. And you give that order to a soldier. So let's talk okay. about our orders. So the first order. So, we're talking, yeah, so go ahead. Oh, just just quick question. So since I've never played bolt action before, I'm trying to. I'm trying to imagine things. And the closest parallel that I can come to on this is is Legion from my experience. Yes. So with with it, um, you know, we with Legion you got the order of tokens. Mm-hmm. In this game, is there a way for you to kind of preemptively put orders out, or is it all blind? It's all blind. Okay. Well and, and keep keep in mind here, Chris, all the dice go into the, the, same the bag. one bag. Right, just like they would in Legion. No, 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 like, no. no. Like, your oh, dice oh, and oh. my dice oh. go in the same bag. And the color oh, okay. dice you pull out is who gets to go. Oh, right. I, I don't know why I didn't catch on to that when you were first talking about, okay, that uh, that's cool. So, that's interesting. So it's, like, it's like a fog of war mechanic because you don't necessarily right. know who's going to activate next. And there is a rule that if you pull four of the same color, then the next order, the player who hasn't gotten to go can choose whether or not they'd like to go or continue to pull blind. Because right. there, you know, there sometimes there's an advantage, right? Because if you know you have equal models and your opponent pulls, 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 you're like, oh, I'm gonna have the back half of this round, right? So like sometimes right. it's it's advantageous to see your opponent pulling over and over again. Yeah, right. I like that they make that a strategic decision. Yeah, it's it is very cool. Yeah, you get to choose after four, so that's pretty cool. Uh, and I will say, I, in my many games of Star Breach, I've only seen four in a row twice. It, uh, it, it right, yeah, that's yeah, a lot. It is a lot, um, especially you know when you've got you know eighteen soldiers on the board, and it's generally generally eight to nine a piece. Uh, it's right. pretty rare that you see four in a row. Now, let's go on to what those orders are. So the first order is the down order. So the down order is pretty cool. Um, the way that it works when you give someone a down a down order is you just 
you know, you select the down order, you put it next to your soldier, and then your soldier, that's all they do. They go down. And what happens is that they get plus two to their eye stat, their initiative stat for the rest of their turn against incoming fire orders. So if somebody or incoming ranged attacks. So if somebody attacks at range, their initiative value goes up by two. So it gives you a better odds of avoiding damage on incoming attacks. Mm, okay. Um, so that's pretty cool um, that it does that. But another cool thing about down is that when your opponent targets you, if your soldier hasn't gone yet. So like, let's say I pull a fire order and I'm going to fire on your soldier and that soldier hasn't activated. You can elect to immediately pull one of your dice out of the bag and put a down order on them. So that you get plus two to the attack coming in as you're mm-hmm. going down for the dodge roll. But it also means that that soldier doesn't get to activate later in the round. Okay. Right. I was about to ask, what's the negative consequence? I mean, the, neg- the negative is that the way that this game works is you get one dice per soldier and each, each soldier is only allocated one dice per turn. Right. So if you allocate that down order, that means that's all that that soldier is going to do. Um, right, but then, right. but then also they are down for the rest of the turn for the rest of the possible incoming attacks. Okay. So that's the down order. The mend order is the second. So when you give an, a soldier the mend order, you roll a d6 and immediately heal that many wounds. That's all it does. And the, I, I kind of like that actually because it sort of simulates the fog of war and field dressing. You don't know how effective it's going to be, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe right. it's going to heal six. Maybe it's going to heal one. <laughs> we don't know if this morphine's going to help at all. Exactly. So that's the mend order. The third order is cover fire. So the way cover fire works is br- it's so cool, you guys. So you select cover fire, right? And what you do is you pick a spot on the battlefield um, that's in range of your weapon, right? And you pick a target spot and then you draw a two inch circle around it. And everybody in that two inch circle is going to take fire. So you roll an attack against each one of them at minus two because you're blind firing, right? You're just like mm-hmm. shooting out. So you immediately get minus two. But rather than taking damage, if you hit, you don't actually hurt them. They just have to pull dice and take a down order. Mm. Oh, suppressive fire. In a exactly. Sense. Mm-hmm. So it's really cool because if you are looking down a firing lane and you see multiple people, you can potentially rob your opponent of their activations by forcing their soldiers to take a down order. Right. And so that's what cover fire does. And cover fire, I, you know, it's one of those things where it, 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 it's funny in your first couple games, you almost you don't take it. And then as you play, you're like, oh, shit, those are two melee guys that are going to come running down a lane. Rather than have them charge my soldiers, I am going to put some suppressing fire on them to see if I can get them to go down so they can't come into melee. And it becomes like a really important part of the game. Yep. No, that makes sense. All right. I like it. Your fourth order is a real simple one. Fire. (laughs) You you shoot your guns. (laughs) Sim- <laughs> pew, yeah, pew. simple as that you you fire one of your weapons that's how it works or you take a psychic ability and we'll talk about the magic later um but you you take a you take a single attack with one of your ranged weapons because most profiles in this game take multiple weapons so you choose a weapon and you fire it that's the fire order okay 
Yep. Easy. The fifth order is advance. So advance is you get to move your move value, which is one of the stats on your profile, and then you take a fire order at a minus one initiative. Mm, okay. okay. So that's the, the 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 cost of doing business when you walk is that you're not as accurate when you fire. Right. right. Which makes sense. And, and so the final order is run. Um, and so or assault. And so how this works is you move double your move value. And if you have an opponent in line of sight, you can move double your move value into base contact with that unit and then instantly initiate melee combat. The, okay. the risk here is that if your opponent hasn't fired yet, they may immediately pull their die and fire on you at minus two okay. while you're running in. And then if you survive that, then you get to go into melee. Yeah, that makes that makes complete sense yep. to me. Um, so you get auto overwatch if you haven't acted yet, basically. Um, right. And the, the thing about melee in this game, too, is that if you survive in melee, you get to hit back. And we'll talk about the melee phase, but melee is not like a, I just hit you. It's a hit you hit back situation. And it's also super risky. <laughs> like melee in this game is devastating and scary as it should be right on a modern right. battlefield with like modern weapons. It's going to be a fist fight until someone's fucked up. Right. Yep. 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 Cool. So those are your six orders down men, cover fire, uh, cover fire, fire, advance and run. So the other, so the thing we should talk about right now before we get any further is your stats in this game, because the rest of the conversation is going to dictate or is going to depend on some knowledge of how the statistics in this game work. So you have only really four statistics in Star Breach. It's really easy to keep track of a profile because you have your movement, which is your movement value, your initiative, and initiative is like the it's the MacGuffin skill in this game. It in your head cannon, it's either how deft you are with your ranged weapons how heavy your armor is, how good you are in co at melee combat, right? It's just, it's the one stat that is your dexterity and alertness in the heat of battle is the way that the book puts it. Right. And that's your main acting stat. Then you have your health. So that's how many hit points you have and your armor. And armor is basically soak, right? So like it's damage that gets prevented off the top of every incoming attack is your armor. Okay. Uh, yes. And then you have your cost. And we'll talk about building a warband a little bit later. Um, but that's it. Movement, initiative, health, armor. Simple. That couldn't be easier to read a profile on this game. It's simple and easy. So let's talk about now the thing that you guys aren't expecting since you haven't played it. So when you're in your, ga in your game, your main phase of the game is this order dice phase, right? But there's a second phase that's called the special actions phase. And the special actions phase is amazing. And the reason it's amazing is it's because you have a selection of soldiers that get to act twice in a round. And so how this works is during warband building, you have basically three main types of soldiers. You have your alphas, which is your warband leader. You have your specialists, and then you have your soldiers. Now, a standard warband in Starbreach is 120 points, and 48 of those points can be specialists. So a small okay. portion of your warband can be specialists, right? 
Now, specialists in this second phase, the special action phase, you can nominate three of them to take a second action or your alpha. So your alpha or your specialists are able to take an action in the special action phase. And so these okay. are because the, your specialists and alphas, right, are more highly trained soldiers, so they're better. And so after right. everybody's gone and all the dice are allocated, each of each you and your opponent choose, and that now it's alternating. It's alternating specialist activation after special activation. And so there are four orders that you can give in this phase. The first one is focus fire. And so focus fire. The way that it reads in the book is the soldier focuses, slows breathing, uh, slows breathing, and fires a wall of aim shots at one enemy soldier. So the way that this works is your specialist gets to take a shot, basically regardless of what they did earlier in the round. There are two exceptions, but in general, you're going to shoot. You can't shoot. So the first order you can take in the special action phase is focus fire. So the way focus fire works is in the way it's written in the book is the soldier focuses, slows their breathing and fires a wall of aim shots at one enemy soldier. Basically what this means is it's a normal fire order, but uh, basically you are going to ignore all of the positive things that an opponent might have. So if an opponent took a down order, doesn't matter. If they're on cover, doesn't matter. You just ignore all their modifiers because it's like an aim oh, shot. Okay, so what? Okay. Never mind, all right. go ahead. Any questions though? No, I don't all think right. so. so all Maybe. Right. If, 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 it, if it stays a question, we'll, we'll circle okay. back. So the second one is mend. So mend in this phase works exactly the same way as it works in the first phase. You roll a d6 and you heal wounds. But that's pretty cool because that means a specialist can heal twice in a turn if they need to take a whole turn out of action taking a breath. So right. that's pretty neat. Um, the third one is assault. So assault works just like the you, you would expect from the first round, the run, except for it's just the assault part. You can only take this if you have range of sight or range line and, and line of sight so that you can get up into an opponent's face and hit them. Mm, okay. Uh, and the fourth and most complex order is ambush. And so ambush is super cool. So basically what happens is you effectively execute a down order and remain down, but you put the amb an ambush token or something so that you note that your character is on ambush. And then the next soldier that activates or moves, activates in line of sight or moves in that soldier's line of sight, that soldier can immediately take a fire order on. Ooh. I like that. Okay, that's pretty cool. Um, and there there are some complications to it, right? Because that leads to some weird timing conflicts, and the timing conflicts are explained in the book. But that's the 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 gist of the rule is that you can lie in wait and effectively set yourself up for an infinity style ARO. Right. Yeah, I like pretty it. Neat. So that's also really cool. cool. So now that's that's neat, right? Because now you have that that whole first order phase where everybody's assigning their orders, and then you get your three specialists that get to uh, act totally separately afterwards. And it like yeah, I it's, like that. That's it's pretty really neat. really neat. And then after that, it's basically your cleanup, right, and preparing for the next turn. And so at this point, do you guys have any questions? Like, is there anything you guys are curious about? Uh, nothing. No, not offhand. No, no, no. So um, so. The, so, the the specialist. Yes. Basically taking an aim shot mm -hmm. and ignores 
everything defensively that your opponent just did. That's right. They lose their it's, it's basically they lose their positive initiative modifier. So cover or being down. Yep. So it's basically yeah, just, your initiative versus their initiative. Gotcha. But, I don't know. But remember, I don't know how I feel about that. But remember, you only have three specialists. Right, but when you're taken in a game where you're, you know, three specialists is, you know, a third of your army. Yeah, it's about a third. Yep. It's still a lot. It is, but again, you're generally like you're not always focus firing. And again, most so most characters are designed to so so you know. Like one thing you need to know, right, is like how the damage curve in this game works. And it, it can be pretty swingy because of 2d6, but most soldiers can take two to three shots before they die. Okay. I guess maybe I'm just thinking about it in my Hulk smash kind of mentality that, um, you know, I would have to see it played on the table. Yeah. I I, I, the other thing is, right, if you're putting yourself in that position, like generally the way that the line of sight in this game works is if I see you, you see me, right? So you're putting yourself into a vulnerable position, getting into a position where you're going to be focus firing. Um, and, and the thing that you're not understanding through not having played it, right, is like a lot of times you're taking down or mend orders, <laughs> Or, right. you know, gotcha. like there's, there's just other things that you're trying to do. Right, um, right. Yeah. Again, Hulk smash. Yep. Yeah, I'm, I'm always looking for what's going to cause me to be able to do damage and kill things. Yeah. Not thinking about the other and things. And also remember, you're going to be taking fire too, right? And you can also right. take psychic or ma- magic attacks as a focus fire action. Um, so that can also be pretty scary because the psychic ability is coming yeah. at you can be pretty rough. Um, so that is, is it, it, it's, it's one of those things where it, it feels very strong on paper and it is strong, right? Cause especially since some soldiers can shoot twice. Um, but it's, it's not, a, I think as heinous as you think that it might be. Okay. I'm on board. I'm on board now. I think, I think I'm good now. So let's talk about like in general, what those attack modifiers are, right? So like when you're, when you are attacking, uh, there's a th- there's a rule called walking wounded. And if your soldier is at three wounds or less, they automatically take minus two to their initiative. So that's a thing, right? Um, if a soldier's right. in cover, you get minus to your initiative. Um, if you w- took an advance order, you take minus one initiative. Um, and if it's an AOE weapon, you take minus one initiative. So like, there's lots of things that give you minus, but also there are things that give you pluses. So if you are three inches higher than your opponent when you fire on them, you get plus two to your initiative. Uh, and okay. also, if you are within half of your weapon's max range, you get plus one to your initiative for clo- basically for being at close range. Right. Makes sense. Cool. Um, so that's that's pretty neat. Um, so how does this how does this work when you take a fire order, right? So the way that it works is you take a fire order against me, and then I get to make what's called a dodge roll, right? So you roll your two d six, and I roll my two d six, and we add our initiative. If you are equal or underneath, you miss, right? And that's all there is to it. If you hit me. All weapons have a plus damage modifier, and some of those are plus zero, but in general, they all have a plus damage modifier. So you add your plus damage modifier to your excess. So just to make a clear example, let's say after we add our initiatives, I have rolled a nine and Chris, you have a six. 
So I'm plus three to you. My weapon has a plus two modifier. So that means I'm at plus five. So you would be taking mm-hmm. five damage in this case. Right. But now let's say you have three armor. So now you're taking two damage, right? Because you subtract your armor mm-hmm. from the hit. And so that's the way the damage is resolved in this game. And that's it. That's that simple. It's super fast. I mean, if you're good at math, it's super fast. <laughs> it's pretty fast. It goes pretty quick. If you can play Infinity and you can do Infinity calculations and figuring out how what hits are going through and what aren't, you can do the math in Star Breach. It's pretty simple. Um. So, how does this differ? So, what's what? Go ahead. So, what's the average health of a model in this? Yeah. Game? So that's actually a really good question, and I'll, I'll flip back into the back. Right. So, uh, so I think the average health is eight to ten. Okay. So 8 to 10 is your average health. There are outliers to that, right? Because there are characters that have 12 and sometimes higher health. Um, But the average armor is 2 to 3. So now, now, right. Now, and your average basic initiative is 3, with the top initiative generally being 6 or 7. And that's only for super elite troopers. You're at your most of your characters are going to be initiative three or four. So I, gotcha. I would say that in my many games, like an average hit is three to six damage. That's usually what you'll take. Now, that's not always true because I've taken 14 damage before. Oof. Oh, wow. Uh, like you, you, you can take a lot if the dice go completely against you. Um, and I've had that happen. I've had them go completely against me with weapons that add like plus six to their damage. Right? Like I've rolled a two, hmm. my opponents rolled a 12 on a plus six weapon. And you're like, well, I'm fucked. <laughs> he was like, yeah, that, that dude's right. dead. That dude is dead. Yep. And that can happen. Um, but in general, like I said, it's, it's four to six damage is what you're taking on an average hit with characters having eight to 10 health on average. So like I said, two to three hits generally is what a, what a character can soak up before they, they, uh, they splat out. Gotcha. But also remember you heat, you can heal one to six on a dice roll once per round. Right. And there are also healing spells guys. (laughs) Like there are, there are psychic abilities that can also heal. Uh, and there are characters who are made specifically for healing. Right. So that's a thing. So let's talk about close combat for just a sec, because close combat is a little bit different, right? So once you do that that assault order and you get in, now it starts. And you do your standard thing. You roll 2d6, your opponent does their dodge roll, the higher outcome wins the round of combat, but the loser applies the difference in the combat rolls. So rather than it being my attack versus your dodge, this is an opposed roll, and the winner does the damage. Okay. Following me? Mm-hmm. So that, that creates a risky endeavor. Now, after close combat is done, if the, if the character... It kills them, they're removed, and it's complete. However, if you don't kill them, the player who won the combat has to choose between three options. Option one, they push the soldier two inches away and even off a ledge, giving them falling damage. Nice, I like it. Mm. Two, they can dodge out of combat two inches away, possibly into cover so they don't take shots. Third option, 
They start another round of close combat with the loser suffering a minus two combat that roll for the next round. Hmm. That's that's bad. It's brutal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and this can cause the thing. This can cause the combat to go back and forth, right? I like that. I like that a lot. So you punch back and forth uh, until either someone chooses to dodge out or someone dies. Right. I think that's a lot more thematic. I like that. Yeah, it's pretty sweet. Um, yeah. So that's it. That's uh, that's close combat. Um, and it, it's it's pretty neat. And generally, if there's a tie too, you immediately disengage. So if you if you're ever at a point where your initiatives tie, you break. You make a two inch gap between the two characters. Oh, neat. Um, basically, like your swords clanged, right? And then you're right. Yeah, you're put. You're pushing off of exactly, each other or something like right, that. Exactly. Yeah. And that's the way close combat like works. That. So close combat is brutal in this game, and it, it's it can, it, the thing that's crazy, right? Is like the and the thing I've seen is that a, a combat a character comes in that has uh, a melee weapon that gives them like plus three initiative in melee combat. Because we haven't talked about you, because you're thinking of your initiative value as being a static value, and it's not right because there are lots of bonuses that can get you up, and there are characters with melee weapons, and they're the good melee weapons give you higher initiative, so that you're already at higher odds going into the combat. But I've had it happen where I was on initiative four, <clears throat> my opponent was on initiative seven. They came in, they beat me in the first round, and they opted to keep fighting. So I was now on initiative one to their initiative seven, but they rolled snake eyes and I rolled 11. Whoops. <laughs> right? So, like, mm. it, it can give you, like, it, it, it has this, like, really cool underdog mechanic where even when you have the advantage and you want to push it, it's still a risk. Even though you know with 2d6 you can reliably count on a seven. Right. So very, very, very cool. And that's close combat in Star Breach. Um, and at this point, we've covered, you know, we haven't talked about all the core rules and all of the nuances that are in core in the core rules. But that's that's pretty much the basics, right? At this point, how are you guys feeling about this game? Are you likely to want to give it a shot? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm always for trying something new. I, I like the fact that from a thematic standpoint, because I, I looked over the book a little bit um, one time, one of the guys before everything shut down. Uh, he was him and uh, somebody else were playing. And he let me take a look at the book, and I love the fact that whatever genre of sci-fi you like, that's you know in mainstream media, there's something there for you. The whatever tabletop sci-fi game you like, there's there's something there for you for those models. Definitely. I really, I really, really like that aspect, um, and I really like the fact that you know it's again, it's 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 simple, it's easy. Um, there's nothing in here that I think that's overly complicated and, and complex, but at the mm -hmm. same time, thematic and sounds like a ton of fun. Oh, yeah. Super fun. And a good example of what you just said is like there is actually a pretty strong contingent of players in this game that have just adapted one of the factions to be a house in Dune. Right. I think I remember us talking about that in the past. Right. So they're like, these ones are Harkonnen. So this is the Harkonnen player. And these ones are the Freemen. So they're playing Freemen, right? Like, and, and that's totally possible in this game. 
So, I mean, whatever whatever brand of science fiction you want to play, you can play. There, there's a faction for intergalactic marshals. There's some time travelers. There's all kinds of stuff. So let's talk about real quick, you guys, because we always harp on scenarios where I think anybody who's listening to this podcast knows like war games live and die on their scenarios with us. So if the scenario play isn't good in general, it doesn't matter how good the rules are because if the scenarios aren't fun, the game sucks. That's right. right. Because then why, why, why exactly. do it, right? All right. So let's talk about Star Breach. So the, the free PDF of Star Breach gives you six two-player scenarios, and the deluxe PDF gives you 12. So the deluxe PDF mm-hmm. or printed rulebook gives you 12 scenarios. And the scenarios are good, you guys. Um, so let's just talk about a couple of them. So a, a really good one to talk about is the... Scenario one, secure the sectors. <clears throat> so in secure the sectors, you d- you divide the table into nine portions and you're playing on a three B three by three, three B three herp. You're playing on a three by three table. So the nine sectors are the nine one foot sections of the board, right? Cause you have right. nine square feet basically. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, now the way that this works is that, as you go, the player who holds more sectors ends up being the winner. And the way that you hold a sector is you have to be fully within the se- the, se- the sector's boundary and you have to have one more soldier than your opponent inside that sector. And so you play through the end of the scenario, however many turns you agree on, standard being six. And the person who is controlling the most sectors is the winner of the game. Right. Um, and uh, or and the other thing that's cool um, and here, let's let's actually it's, it's not actually that simple. So it's basically you get 10. It, you get points for each player you eliminate based on their total. Right. So each soldier costs an amount of UC is the, the currency in this game. So you gain the UC and victory points for everything that you defeat. Uh, additionally, you get 10 extra victory points for each scenario that's on your side of the table. You get 15 for holding a middle section and you get 25 mm-hmm. for holding a section on your opponent's side. Right. Okay. So you get that basically what that means, right? And don't, don't you also get 30 all the way for oh, sorry, holding it's 30 the 30 for opponents? your opponent's side. Um, yes. Yep. 25, 25 for, center, for center and 15, 15 for the for outside left. center. You have the flanks of the center. Yeah, left, middle, and right middle sectors, yep. and then 10 for the, the on your on side. Your side. Okay. Yep, so 30 on yep. your opponent's side, 10 on your side, and depending on where you're holding, you're 15 <laughs> or 20 in the middle. And that can swing right. you the game, right? Because remember, you're bringing 120 points to the game, and if you get two guys to your opponent's side of the table and actually hold their table edge, you might be talking about 30 or 60 points if they don't have anybody there. Right. So it can be a really big deal. And so that's secure the sectors, right? So you're you're both trying to eliminate your opponent's squad and hold the opponent. So that's pretty rad. But also you have like your rescue mission where you do your standard deployment and you're trying to rescue someone that's on the board there's a pilot that gets deployed and you get 75 points if you actually rescue the pa- the pilot and you're the person who's down or you get 60 points if you're the enemy player 
So that's pretty rad, right? You also have mm-hmm. like search and destroy, which is where you're trying to destroy supply caches. You can do intel retrieval. There's uh, one that's called infiltrate defenses where you're trying to move on to the other side of the board. So there's all sorts of uh, of styles of playing this game. And then there are all additionally, there are going to be scenarios where the players deploy separately. So one takes the middle 12 inches of the board. So 12 inches around the center and the other player can deploy anywhere along the outside edge. And you're trying to get in and steal stuff out of the middle. Oh, I like that. Uh, And again, there are 12 scenarios. So tons of tons of tons and tons of ways to score victory points and play objectives in this game. So it's not just killing, right? Like killing always plays uh, a portion because in general, you're tallying your points. I think the closest analog is A Song of Ice and Fire, right? Where in A Song of Ice and Fire, you're always getting a victory point for killing an opponent's unit. But also there are the scenarios that you're trying to play to. Right. No, that's good. That's a good analogy. But you also get three and four player scenarios as if they needed to make this more appealing. Now you have multiplayer scenarios and the, the multiplayer scenarios are as detailed and well thought out as the two player scenarios are. And, the, and there's a good amount of them. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. Are there? Yeah. Because normally that's like a, a afterthought. Right. In in games that include yep. them, so I mean they've they've really thought. No, this Chris, through. there are there are six three player scenarios and six four player scenarios. Wow. Yep. Yeah, that's that's quite a bit. Like, yeah, Paul, you were right. Normally, it's an afterthought for the multiplayers. Like, that's a lot. Yeah, dude. It um it really the game really wants you to be able to play multiplayer well. Well, it really wants you to be able to have like a balanced two player experience. So it's all here. Um, in the advanced rule book, so the one that you pay for, there's also a camp, there's campaign rules and tournament rules. So it lets you know specifically how to run a tournament or a campaign and gives you like good framework for doing that. And so basically what we've just covered was the front 60 or so pages of the 120 or so page rule book. And the back half of the rule book is all the war bands. Right. Yes. Yeah. I remember that. And so your war bands, just to give you a selection. So if you're listening to this episode, and you haven't looked at the rule book, the war bands that you're looking at here. So Legion of Mankind, you're thinking about like space Marines, uh, Imperial Guard, right? Like if you're thinking 40K, that's your standard terror legion. So chaos space Marines. Uh, Terrors of Abaddon, that's your like chaos demons. I'm going to try and use as many 40K equivalents as I can unless they don't apply. Um, so the hive, that's your bugs, right? So think Tyranator, alien life forms, ancient machine, Necrons. Uh, Coven Empire is Tau. So if you've got a lot of Tau laying around, you can convert your Tau stuff pretty directly. There is the Lorani and the Corrupted Lorani. So that's your Dark Eldar and your Standard Eldar. Uh, and then you also have your Urak Warlords, which are your Orcs. Uh, and your and, and I'm going to skip a couple here because there are some things that actually don't fit into the 40k sort of framework. So if you're following along in the rule book, I'm going to skip some. I'm going to go to Hive Cult. So Hive Cult is like Gene Stiller cults. Machine Cult is kind of like your uh, Adeptus Mechanicus. 
And um, that pretty much sums up your exact matches to your 40K. So you can play lots of stuff, right? Now, also, there's Inquisition. Now, Inquisition matches pretty close to what you would think of as Inquisitors in 40K, but also maybe not. Like, you can take lots of different things as Inquisitors. Um, but there's a Nomadic Raiders and a Resistance faction. So these are like, if you think about your total Resistance fighters, like uh, maybe uh, Rebels from your Star Wars collection. Mm-hmm. Really good for either of these. Right. Um, you have the path and the dark path. Now, surprise, surprise, this is going to be really good for Jedi and Sith models. Yep. yep. You have your continuum syndicate. Those are your time travelers. Boy, there is a lot of good minis you can use for time travelers. You have your intergalactic marshals, so space cops. So I'm looking at you, O12 players. You can instantly, <laughs> you can instantly go into intergalactic marshals. I actually like to use the Weird West models from Wild West Exodus as intergalactic marshals, and I actually combine them with the Order models. So I have a combination of sort of like Lawmen and Order as my intergalactic marshals. So if you're a Wild West Exodus player, boom, you have an in. And that's not mm-hmm. to mention the Terrors of the Abyss. There's lots of like demony weird shit in Wild West Exodus that you can use as terrors that your terrors of the bad in this game. And you also the only one I haven't talked about is Hunters. And so Hunters are cool because and I so I almost want to like let a person discover this on their own, but the the Hunter models and the Hunter Warband is very special. Uh, because the way hunters work is when you play hunters, every hunter is an alpha. Um, oh, and geez. every hunter gets three uh, dice instead of one. Oh, dang. But your basic hunters are 30 points. So you're generally only going to have two or three models, maybe four when you're playing hunters. Um, right. But the cool thing is you have your blooded hunter, which is very clearly a predator. <laughs> like... When you look at the weapons right. in the loadout, it's very clearly a predator. You have your Montalure, uh, which is very clearly a Mandalorian. <laughs> you have your Varia, which is very clearly Samus Aran. <laughs> right. <laughs> and then you have your Assassin Bot, which is very clearly IG-88. <laughs> right. I'm liking this. I'm liking this. <laughs> so, like, you, and, and you can play them however you want, right? But the inspiration is is written very clearly as you read through the rule book. And then you have your lone wolf. That's your last quality. And those ones aren't as clearly defined. And the, the, the lone wolf, the lone wolf is actually like the build your own hunter. Um, they're the ones with the most right. options uh, and the cheapest. So that's your, you know, your basic thing. But the thing that we haven't really talked about is how the weapons work, right? Because all of these, all of these factions, like, you know, why do you play one faction or the other? All of the warbands have two special uh, abilities that only that warband has. So, uh, you know, it, just a, an example is uh, the Legion of Mankind has an ability called Fire and Movement. And that means they don't suffer minus one initiative when they take the, the, the move order, the advance order. They get to move and shoot without a penalty. Wow. Okay. And, and again, all of the every single one of them 
has these abilities, like these special abilities. And then also every single one of them, with two exceptions, has their own weapons too. No, none of them have all of the same weapons available to them, um, except for when you look at the nomads and the resistance, they get to take their weapons from specific places. So the no, the nomads get to take the weapons that are free cost. So they can't take any special weapons, but they can take the weapons that are free costed from any army because they're scavengers, right? So they're, they've been taking common weapons off previous battlefields. And the resistance can specifically take weapons, any weapons from three specific army lists. But in general, makes sense. in general, every army has its own list of weapons that's unique to it, its own unique combination and flavor of weapons that it can take. Uh, we also haven't talked about mechs. So mechs are typically uh, specialists. And mechs are cool because mechs get to fire all their guns when they take a fire order. Mm. But they're also typically heavier armed and have more health than your standard thing does. Like, you know, we talked about armor usually being two or three. Mechs usually have five armor. Uh, and again, they can they can fire all their guns rather than one when they take a fire order. Um, mm. And then also we haven't talked about the six schools of magic. So there are or psychic abilities. So there are six schools of magic and... As you look through the army lists, you will note that specific flavors and specific types of armies can take certain kinds of magic. So if we look at the, the those psychic abilities, right, just as an example, um, there are going to be specific schools of magic that only certain people are going to be able to take. So like when you look at the school of disorder, as an example, only your quote-unquote bad guys, your terrors of the bad and your terror cult, your corrupted Lorani, only they're going to have schools of disorder and they're, they're possible for taking. The school of order, on the other hand, you might have your legion of mankind, your, your light path, your inquisition, your marshals. Those are the ones that can dip into the school of order. But then you also have your school of time, school of bio-instinct, plasmids, and psychic block and, and well, psychic block is actually the things that all warbands can do. It's kind of like deny the witch tests in 40k. But in general, right, each one of your factions is going, and also on top of that, the psychers that you can pick are going to tell you in their special rules what they can take. So you might have a soldier that says they can take either hack bullseye or freeze from the plasmids or you might have someone that says this psyker can take all pl all abilities from the school of time uh, and then again that further differentiates your warband so you really have a huge separation uh between each of these warbands as you go and if you've been following from the beginning right you're thinking well maybe i have a force that works as both light path and lorani and you do right? You can play them either way. You can build a list for either one and play them either one if either way if you want to. And I think that's the, the main draw of this game is like to dust out your toys that you haven't maybe played with in a long time and build a list and take it against your friend. Mm -hmm. And again, the game is free. I would, again, strongly suggest you purchase the rulebook or the dice. Um, the advanced rulebook with its extra scenarios is great. Also, the printed rulebook is extremely high quality. Uh, and again, the order dice can't be replicated. Um, they have the 
the symbols for each one of the orders printed on the die face. They're big and they're chunky and colorful and awesome. That's, I mean, that's most of what I wanted to say about Starbreeze. Do you guys have any questions at this point? No, I think you answered the questions that I had. How many How many games have you played, Kev? Um, I think uh, th- between 13 and 15. Wow, that's a lot more than I thought. Yeah. Hmm. And so, so... Uh, what's your what's your favorite aspect of it of all the things that we talked about? What's your absolute favorite bit for Star So Breach? my favorite bit of Starbreach is that it's one of those games where you think you understand it after you read the rules, and then you think you understand it after the first game you play, and then you think you understand it after the second game you play. And really what happens is the game just opens up to you more and more as you play more games. And the things you thought you were good, you realize maybe aren't as good. And the things you thought were overpowered, maybe aren't as overpowered as you thought, because you realize that most of the the carrots have sticks. <laughs> like there's a, right. there's a lot of answers to the questions that your, your guys put up and, and list building in this game, like each war band has, you know, like, I don't know, it's, it's basically like 10 to 14 profiles. Um, and it, it seems like you're like, well, this is the best list. And then you realize that wasn't the best list. Oh, that wasn't the best list. Oh, that wasn't the best list mm-hmm. because hmm. it's not just taking the profile. Almost all the profiles have a base cost and then they can take a specific weapon at that cost. And then they can also take grenades at cost and relics at cost. And the, we haven't even talked about relics and alpha abilities, which are ways to augment the basic profiles. Mm, so right. it, the game gets cavernously deep as you step into it. And the things you initially thought as you play the game realize maybe weren't as true as you thought on first you know, first read or for first comprehension. So that's my favorite thing about this game is that it, 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 um, it's one of those, it's like easy to learn, hard to master. Right. Okay. Okay. That's, I mean, that's a, it's, it's important right now to establish why it's so good with a lot of sci-fi competition. Right. right now. Yeah. So like this has been a sci-fi year between GW and, and so, Corvus so, Belli. So here's and, what I'll say. And I think this is the highest praise I can give to, to star breach is that you take the popularity of Frostgrave, right? Like Frostgrave is, I think widely, widely thought of as one of the best miniatures agnostic fantasy games that's out there. Um, right. And Star Breach, I think, is is uh, head and shoulders one of the best, you know, if not the best miniatures agnostic sci-fi game, and people are sleeping on it. Right. It. it I mean. It, well, it, it part. I, I think part of it is is that it's like it's too good to be true that you can just open up the PDF and, and go and be you deep into really this game. Can. Yeah. Like so, what the what the paid PDF gets you, the, and if you read Elijah Kellogg's forward, like he, he he is not in it to make a ton of money. Like he wanted to make a really good balanced rule set and give it to the people. Like literally, that's what it's about. Like this game has a real punk rock aesthetic. If you did listen to our interview with Chris from Slow Death, you know that's true. Like these guys care more about us having a good time than they do about making a lot of money, and they really mean it. Like it's not. It's not like the, them just saying that for like, you know, like gamer cred. Like it's clear that they right. mean it because when you read this and you download the free rule book, it's insane to me what they're giving away. 
knowing that they're not printing models, they don't have a Patreon, like there's not good ways to just throw money at them. So really they mean it when they say you can play this game for free and you can just do, you could, you, if you wanted to, you could subscribe to like, if you, so you have a 3d printer and you're subbing to some Patreons, you could like sub to the best sci-fi Patreon, print your models, buy some Chezix dice, download the free DPF PDF and just throw the fuck down and play this game. But also, you know, you can throw them 20 bucks for a really nice PDF or a really nice printed rule book or like 14 bucks for the really nice, you know, deluxe PDF to download. that has got the extra art assets. The I think it's 12 total scenarios. I think it's 12 scenarios in the core book, six single six, two player, three, three player, three, four player. And then if you buy the big rule book, it goes up to it goes up to 12, six and six. Uh, and then the tournament rules and the um the uh, campaign rules and the art assets. You get a lot of extra sweet art and better charts too, actually uh, in the, in the back of the book um, with the advanced PDF. But really that's all it is. Like it there's outside of the fact that you get some extra scenarios and the campaign rules, like everything you need is in the free document. Yeah. That's nice. I like that. It gives people options and I'm always for people giving people options. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, really great i yeah in my opinion like and and i mean the thing is right like you don't have to like take my word specifically for it um in the in the area that i live like when when this first came to our attention like i threw it at the malifaux community and at least at least half the community bid on it immediately and like i think for the next four to six weeks everyone was bringing star breach war bands at as early as they could to get a game of Starbreach before we played Malifaux. That's that's, pre- that's pretty high praise right, right. there. Yeah, because your your Malifaux community is pretty dedicated. Mm-hmm. And like I said, there were it, there was it, we had at least two to three games of Starbreach every week before Malifaux. People were like coming in to play Starbreach and bringing their stuff in. And like wow. you know, one guy's bringing in Nomads from Infinity and playing that way. We got like fully painted 40k armies. One of our players was bringing cr- like painted Cricks and playing their playing nice. their War Machine wow. Cricks models as Hive Cult. So like you can really just like pick what you want and throw down. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. I like so, it. So I'm excited to give it a go. Really, really should be. be honest with you. And with all the infinity terrain you guys have been like putting together and getting ready in the the nice infinity tables, you have a star breach table ready to go. All you need to do right. is build a warband and, and play. Right. That's why I was asking about that earlier. That it's like infinity density. You just have a wider variety other than cities. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. Or at least that fits thematically because you can do infinity on anything too. Right. right? Yeah. Right, but even like a drowned earth table, great for Star Breach. Right, right. Yeah, that's another really dense game. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and it, and it, again, good terrain for it. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So my my final thoughts is on for Star Breach is what have you got to lose? <laughs> like, I mean, outside of a few hours of your own time, nothing. And I promise, Play, playing I promise a game, it's right? Fun. Yeah, I promise it's fun. <laughs> You got the chop yeah. seal of approval on this one, guys. For sure. Yeah, I love this game. It's like the it's like the ultimate miniatures agnostic sci-fi game. It's so good. Right. Yeah, I'm I'm excited. I can't wait for us to be able to play 
people more often because mm-hmm. this is definitely on the list of to please and it has been hell yeah well i'm excited yeah, i mean because i think we i think we came across this like i know at least for me it hit my radar probably maybe two months two months before lockdown so if not a little bit earlier so it, it's definitely been so like i you know i yeah. only i heard of it a couple weeks before we had chris on the podcast to interview about the the pd the printed pdf kickstarter Oh, a good thing to note, too, is if you're getting into the game, um, watch out because uh, Elijah, the person who wrote this, has another game coming. I'm under secrecy that I can't talk about it. So I can't even give you a hint at what it is, but I can tell you it's fucking cool. And you need to keep your eyes peeled because it's rad. Uh, But also they're going to do a Kickstarter for the printed solo version of Starbreach, which is called Starbreach Hunters. So solo and cooperative way to play Starbreach. It'd be perfect for your COVID quarantine needs. That's right. I like that. So, yeah, that was my final thoughts. Yeah. My final thought is I'm excited and I wish I had already been able to play. Um, Yeah, I mean, I was interested in it when we brought Chris on since we we talked about it. Uh, Britt showed me the rules uh, when he was playing a game. So it's it's been on my mind of something I want to play. So... Yeah, like like Paul said, can't wait to be able to go out and play people on the regular to try it out. Awesome. Yep. All right, when do you guys want to talk us out? Yeah, Chris does. I do. All right, cool. So thank you guys for uh, for sticking around, listening to us, ramble on. Uh, thank you to Static as a City for the awesome intro music, outro music you hear. Our patrons are amazing. Uh, without you guys, we would not be uh, speaking as crisply and cleanly as you hear us. So thank you guys. We appreciate that. Uh, find us on the social media, uh, Three Minute of Wargame. We're on Twitter. We're on Facebook. We're on uh, on Instagrams. So uh, thank you guys and appreciate it. I like it. Hey, I don't. I don't hear Kevin. Is he doing a mega feed? Uh, I, yes. I am. <laughs> Hold on. Sorry, we have to pause the recording for a sec. I'm sorry. Hang on. That's that's fine. I'm real sorry. I got so I got a text message from Ella that says there's a very harrowing event out here. We see a car stuck. Oh, <laughs> oh Jesus, you guys. So. <laughs> Yes. It, 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 this went from everybody might not be okay to I think I'm sure everybody's okay by this point in time. <laughs> it says, yes. So this is what it says. We we found a car stuck in trees in the woods because I have tree. I, so we live on a hill, right? And it's a steep grade, and I'm thinking like a car like careened in someone's yard into a tree. Is that not what that means? Because it's, it's a cat. A cat. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I I said I, 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 I in all text. What? <laughs>
with an exclamation point. She was like, oh shit, a cat. <laughs> Not a car. Oh fuck. It's either, oh, I was like, man, either that or Ron If you think I'm editing this shit out, you've got another thing coming. <laughs> oh, I mean, it's a great stinger. It's a great stinger. <laughs> oh man. Oh man. Okay. Whew. All right, I'm going to get my composure back because that's real fucking funny. Okay, Colin Robinson. <laughs> I'm going to do a mega feed. <laughs>